Columbus flag is deepest red. It shrouded oft our martyred dead and ere their limbs grew stiff and cold, their hearts' blood died. It's a fold So raise the scarlet standard high within its shade. We live and die, though cowards flinch and traitors sneer. We keep the red flag flying. Hello and welcome to this week's 1201 podcast. Once again, I am not here with Callum Roper. Hello there, everyone. And Bradley Alsop. Hello. And this week's special guest, student, activist, poet, and frustrated uh, Labour Party member, Seth Goddard. Yes, hello, hello, everyone, to uh, hello, dear listeners. And just to note, that was how he asked to be introduced. Um, <laughs> and uh, in the note of the last uh, element of his personality, why are you frustrated, Seth? What's happened this week? Well, made you particularly well think about the Labour Party. Well, I'm I'm sure that uh, that everyone uh, else is probably feeling the same way right now. Fr- frustrated is probably the the kindest words that 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 uh, that your average Labour Party member has for. The party at this current uh, stage. Um, indeed, I'd, I'd, I'd quite like to, with with permission, of course, folks, uh, delve into um, the the exact reason why I, I know myself and a lot of other um, Labour activists and, and members um, are frustrated with the party currently. Go for it. You see, as uh, the um, the as the Labour Party. Um, was dealing with um, uh, viral accusations of anti-Semitism. Um, it submitted a uh, an internal investigation to the um, uh, the Equalities and Human Rights Commission. Um, the Equalities and Human Rights Commission, after reviewing said evidence, um, determined that there was um, institutional um, issues with the Labour Party itself with regards to this sort of discrimination. Now. One of the uh, pamphlets, one of the uh, reports compiled by um, the internal review um, was the noted document that has come out, or rather been leaked because it it hasn't been officially published by any outlet whatsoever at at the time of recording. Um, This particular document details two... uh, to, to the reader, the behaviour of the GLU. The GLU is, a, is an acronym we'll be coming back to a lot in this discussion, um, and it stands for the Governance and Legal Unit in the Labour Party. In other words, this is the team that looks after the legal issues, any of the legal issues that might um, arise from uh, the Labour Party's activism. And basically... What's so notable about this particular document is it has published um, records. It has the receipts, so to speak, of treachery within the Labour Party. It has people actively plotting against the uh, 
the office of the leader of the opposition, or LOTO, um, of course, occupied at the time by Mr. Jeremy Corbyn. Now, this particular report is so shocking to your standard Labour member and so frustrating to your standard Labour member because it details that the, that the people on this particular body were willing to let recognisably neo-Nazi levels of anti-Semitism and Holocaust denialism go unchecked for the sakes of making Jeremy Corbyn appear to be some kind of anti-Semite enabler, or even an anti-Semite himself. Now, of course, this has erupted online ever since uh, Sky News acquired a, a copy of it. And, well, can I say, reading the, the leaks from it, it does seem really rather frustrating. We have situations where individuals who are supposed to be, in effect, the party's civil service, an unbiased group of individuals who commit themselves to uh, the governance of the party, were doing things such as setting up alternative offices in order to keep right-wing MPs in power. They were doing things such as allowing high-profile anti-Semites to get a soft-touch punishment for the sakes of making Jeremy Corbyn appear with egg on his face. And it's frustrating me. It's frustrating me, lads. It really is. Because I see the people involved in this particular uh, issue, this particular um, document being rewarded for this kind of behavior. We've got people who are currently in front bench positions in the Labour Party who actively attempted to circumvent the Labour Party getting into government. They ignored hundreds of credible cases of Jewish comrades being threatened by anti-Semitism for the sakes of partisan, factional one-upmanship. And Just that really question, frustrates me. How is it, how can you be a party worker um, and not have certain biases? And no, I, absolutely. The, 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 absolutely. Par the party machinery is not the civil service. No, I, I, I completely accept and agree with that because fundamentally, if you're within the, the, the Labour Party, if you're being hired as a member of the Labour Party, you're going to, uh, sorry, as a member of staff, pardon, of the Labour Party, you're going to obviously have political opinions. You're going to be politically engaged. I, I, I don't think there is anyone who does apply for a job with a political party without being at least somewhat politically engaged. Of course. Mm. I, I think the point that's got to be made, though, but at the same time, you <laughs> ought to have a moral compass where you realize that your factional ideological loyalties do not come before the safety and the duty of care you owe to your minority members. It's that and ultimately, ultimately, you have to remember that as Labour Party members of staff, 
surely they would see that a Labour Party getting into power and into government and not undermining that process is a good thing. Because we're, there, there, is, there, is, there is record in this report of uh, certain members of staff, senior staff, preferring Tories to so-called trots. Yeah, no, absolutely. There, you know? there, is, there is long logs of credible uh, uh, evidence showing that actually these sorts of people uh, fantasised about shooting Labour activists, about letting Labour activists die on a fire. I've, I've, I've seen one leaked exchange where they were talking about a... Uh, a Labour Party activist uh, with a disability who was uh, in um, a hospital. And they were saying that they wouldn't urinate on them to, 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 put, to put them out if they were on fire. And in fact, more than that, they seemed to be frustrated that there wasn't a petrol can emoji. Like, I, I'm sorry, but if, if this sort of thing, if it was revealed that there was a private chat detailing a whole credible conspiracy against right-wingers within the Labour Party, the media would be all over this. They would be absolutely all over this. They would, they, and frankly, it, it's so frustrating because there were so many people within the party who were called all sorts of names. They were called conspiracy theorists. They were called nuts for saying that actually there is a, um, there is a, a concerted effort against the left wing within the Labour Party. And it's so frustrating because in 2017, which is the height of the operation, um, it's the height of what is detailed by this particular report, the 2017 election, the Labour Party was, all in all, two and a half thousand votes away from forming a government. Two and a half thousand votes away from forming a government. Thousands, hundreds of thousands of people have died since then as a result of Tory cuts, but they would prefer that. Do you, th do you think that the um, our response to coronavirus might have been improved if if we had won that election? Bear in mind that there were there were seven years of severe cuts to the NHS before that yeah. point. Well, so I mean, it would that's have taken really a, time to build up. That's really a bare woods in the you know, sort of situation really, isn't it? Of course, the, the NHS would have been better prepared if it was better funded. You know, that, that it, it, that's, that's a, an objective uh, truth, really, you know. Um, if, if there was a Fewer party people that was... on the streets to be... Fewer yeah, people yeah. on the streets spreading disease, uh, fewer people feeling compelled to go into work uh, when really they should have been self-isolating. Uh, because they're on low wages or working multiple jobs. Um, as I mentioned, I think in the previous podcast, these are all public health issues. Quite apart from the NHS, um, we need to t be taking a more holistic approach to healthcare, which I don't think this present government is uh, capable of doing. Um, just to get your view on it, Bradley, what's your take on these uh, on these events so far? Do you think it's going to is it going to be a good thing? that this report has been leaked um, or is it going to actually do us damage? I mean, to, to some extent, I'm surprised how surprised people are. Um, surely we knew this sort of thing was going on um, in in the party for the last several years. Um, I think it's useful to have the smoking gun, as it were, to, you know, to have definitive proof of, of these things. Um, but 
I'm frankly not surprised. Um, we knew there were entrenched systems within the party. We knew there were individuals within the party that had senior positions that were very hostile to Corbyn, that actively worked against him. So I'm, I'm not that surprised and it doesn't really change anything for me. Um, I think I think it just confirms things that we knew. Um, I think in terms of the effect, I, I don't really think it's going to have... Um, We've not seen the media pick up on it yet. Um, maybe that will change tomorrow. I don't know. Maybe it's a bank holiday. Um, but I'm surprised the only places I've seen anything on it at the moment are Navarra Media and Labour List. Um, I, I think what was said earlier, that if, if it had been the other way around and it was Corbynistas going after right-wingers, I think, yeah, the, the the media would have had a field day with it and there would have been stuff out there already. Um I think the danger for the party is in this um, being the the final straw for a lot of a lot of Corbyn supporters. You know, we we lost the election, uh, we lost Corbyn as leader straight after. Uh, Long Bailey didn't win the the leadership election. We got Starmer instead, um, and now this. Um, so my my fear is that some people will leave the party because of it, and and as a as a movement, will be weaker because of it. Seth, you uh, use the app to put your hand up. What do you want to say on that? Yeah, so I think it's a, a really rather astonishing question of, um, you know, how, how do we think this is going to politically a- affect um, our, our perceptions? I, I think that fundamentally this should th- this should affect our, our own internal. Well, but put it this way: I'm I'm a relatively new member to to the Labour Party, right? I've I've had a bit of a a, a funny political history. Okay, shall, shall we just put it that way? So, you know, when when I come over to uh, a party such as, such as this, I, I I I sort of got properly involved in it during the uh, the 2019 election campaign. I uh, and 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 I see, uh, you know, this this sort of thing being so institutionalized. Yeah, it it does kind of affect the party. What, what sort know. of thing? Do you want to clarify that? What sort of yeah, thing? Yeah, no, this, this 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 kind of institutionalized um discrimination, this kind of ins- because let's let's not forget that 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 some of the things which which were said in this particular uh, in these leaks are sexist, they're they're racist, they're ableist, they're 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 Islamophobic, they're they and, and I'm sorry, but as far as I'm concerned as well, yeah, I think it does go to prove that there is a, a to a certain extent institutionalized anti-Semitism within the party because if you are willing to sit on your hands when you see something such as anti-Semitism when, when if you're willing to sit on your hands when you see something which is so recognizably anti-Semitism that it in fact wanders into Holocaust denialism and um, neo-Nazism then you're complicit in that if you've got a moral compass, if you are not an anti-Semite, you call that out and you say, hold on, this is a priority. I'm going to make sure that that doesn't exist. And if you're willing to sit there and do nothing, then I'm sorry to say it, but you're an anti-Semite yourself. Absolutely correct. Well said. There's a um, there's a dialogue, isn't there? Some, some people, and, and this is anti-Semitic, um, people like Tom Watson, for example, and Margaret Hodge, they're awful people, I'll be honest. However, they sometimes get called um, agents of a foreign power, right? No, absolutely. Um, and and, and, th- and that, that, is, that is dog whistle anti-Semitism because you're no, basically absolutely. saying that they're in the pocket. The, the thing I would say to people who, because some people just click and share these things, 
without even thinking about it. Um, what I would say, ask people to to think about is, would people like Tom Watson give a damn about Israel and anti-Semitism if it wasn't useful for attacking the left? And what you're doing by sharing these sorts of things is not just doing harm directly, that is the main consideration. You shouldn't be doing harm to your fellow Jewish comrades or any Jews for that matter. Um, but you're also playing directly into that narrative that the left is anti-Semitic and so on. You're feeding the fire in that respect. Um, and we can see, and I think you're quite right, um, Seth, if I've understood you correctly, these people who were at the top of the party, who were responsible for maintaining discipline, who were responsible for keeping people safe, it appears may have deliberately put people at risk or left people at risk by not dealing with these cases. And that is dangerous to Jewish members and it's dangerous to Jewish members in total. Uh, Callum put his hand up first. Um, yeah, you, you mentioned about sort of people just clicking and sharing mindlessly and there I remember there was a section of this report that I've that I've seen that that, that speaks about uh, sort of this clicking and sharing, um, and it says that basically that the party um, wasn't wasn't doing a good enough job in dealing with it, and in some cases just sort of brushing it off, letting it fester, and then coming back to it later when there's some sort of public outcry. But still, if people are sharing this uh, these sort of things, which are clearly anti-Semitic, and and as 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 Seth said, bordering on on sort of neo-Nazi opinions then they should be shut down and they should be expelled from the party but it comes back to the fact that they're deliberately effectively conspiring to sit on these which in itself is just as bad in my opinion mm. so yeah if, if i may say it's it's uh, it's more than just dangerous it's uh, it's in fact a dereliction of duty they when when people are in this particular situation where they're in charge of uh, discipline and, and they're and they're given they're paid money that we have given them through either our union affiliation or through our membership fee directly they've they've taken that put that into their back pocket right and then refuse to keep us safe that's a dereliction of duty they're ignoring their duty of care in fact the the the, the things that i've seen from this particular report show that they directly and openly went against and opposed the uh, the feedback and the direction and the guidance of the office of the leader of the opposition. They directly and openly tried to go against the Chakrabarti report. It's, it's shocking. It, it is shocking, I must say, as someone who is a relatively new member to the Labour Party, to see this. You know, it, it, it should be written down in the Constitution and it is written down in its constitution that this party is not one where that sort of thing happens. It's not one of those parties where it, it can it can occur. And yet it did. It did. And in fact, the people who did this have been rewarded. They're, they're, they're in the ascendancy. They've got positions on the front bench. They've got positions within the administration. You can see why it is that so many members, even new. Look, I've not even been in the party for for half a year yet, 
Um, and frankly, if by the end of this week, the, these people aren't off the shadow cabinet, these people aren't out of the administration, then I'm afraid I'm out the party. Because, you know, I'm not willing to stick around and abide such horrific displays of ableism, sexism, and anti-Semitism, just to name a few. I'm not a, a willing to abide that for political purposes. So Bradley's stuck his hand up as well. Um, what do you think the uh, the outcome of this report? What would be a good outcome from this uh, from this report, Bradley? I mean, yeah, yeah. So uh, I mean, obviously, these people, you know, they they should never have any position of authority within the not for profit sector ever again. Um, they they shouldn't they shouldn't be allowed anywhere near um high, you know high office or, or anything like that. Um, I that, that should just go without saying. Um, I I think on the question of staying in the party, this this is where me and Seth differ. I think, um, and I I, I mean I th- I think it's surprising perhaps the lengths they went to. Um, I, I I didn't quite expect them to quite go as far as they did in terms of simply not dealing with anti-Semitism cases that came on their desk. I think that that does surprise me, but. The general idea that there are those within the party willing to go to great lengths to work against Corbyn is is no surprise to me whatsoever. So I, I don't quite share the state of shock with Seth on, on that issue. I also don't think leaving the party does anything useful. Um, I think, if anything, you've rewarded these people again if you leave the party because that's what they want. They want people that um, are on the left of the party, that... That, um, that that stand for for equality for for a shift in policy. They they want these people to leave. So if you leave in outrage at their actions, then you're simply rewarding them again. You know, you said you said you were horrified that they that they were actually being rewarded um, with with how the party's changed now. You're rewarding them again by leaving. You're you're leaving the door open for them. Um, mm. If I may respond, it, yeah, sure. Yeah, so I, I, I recognise that. I, 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 I take that on board. Absolutely, I, I, I get that. But fundamentally, put it this way, in a few, when I say a few years' time, in a significant amount of time, I'll be sitting down reclining somewhere, ready to start my retirement, hopefully, if the Tories don't work me to death. And, yeah. and I'll want to be able to say to whatever child... I end up sort of bringing up, right? When they come back home with homework on how the first black woman MP was ever treated in this country, I want to be able to look them in the eye and say, I didn't stand for it. I want to be able to look them in the eye and say that, no, I didn't, I didn't abide it. And that I'm, I'm not going to continue to give my money to an abusive institution. I'm not going to continue but, to but give my labor. This is the problem. Leaving doesn't address it. Le- leaving walks away from the problem. It doesn't address it at all. Only well, by staying and all mentally. Well, that's the thing. I, I hear I hear that term so many times over. Staying and organising. What does it mean? What do you mean by staying and organising? I mean uh, working within your local party to reform it to make it more democratic, uh, which there has been some success of in Lincoln in recent years. Uh, it means joining organisations within the party. There's there's plenty of groups in the party that work for more democratic procedures and for a safer place for for various various minority groups. Um, 
you know, there will be, I'm sure there are already um, amassing uh, left-wing factions within the party that will be calling out this sort of thing, that will be organising to make sure those sorts of people don't have those positions. Uh, so so there's, there's lots of things that can be doing. Okay. Uh, supporting so, movements at conference that reform these sorts of things to make my, it harder for these things to happen. So my, th- my, th- my response to that. Just let Bradley finish first. Sorry, so, sorry. So, so yeah, so when, when I say organised, that's what I mean. I mean, you know, work with like-minded people within the party to reform structures, to reform policy, to win elections internally within the party. Um, because for me, and, you know, we've talked about this outside of this. For me, the question is, what is the most viable route to a fairer socialist country? And the question, the, the only answer to that question I can see at the moment is the Labour Party. There isn't another viable option to achieve that in the timescale we need. If you look at the climate crisis, if you look at inequality, if you look at the current crisis that we're going through, we, we don't have time to start from the bottom up again. So for me, the only viable route is the Labour Party at the moment. So whatever's going on internally, we, ha- we have to stand up and address it. Anything else, leaving the party or anything else short of organising to reform the party at this point is, to me, walking away from the fight that needs to be had. Yeah, so my response to that is that we can see from this report and we can... and. Uh, uh, for sort of clarity's sakes, this is being recorded on uh, a Monday, so I, I don't quite know what's uh, what sort of happened um, by uh, by the time you're listening to this, dear listener. You, you know, Sir mm-hmm. Keir might have taken a, a huge sort of uh, action um, in trying to sort of clamp down on this. In which case, yes, sure, he he would have he would have uh, proven and, and uh, sort of passed his first test in a way, um, but. At this current time of speaking, um, all I can see is that this organization, this like we, the, the left wing in the party literally got the leader elected and nothing was 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 uh, and, and, and this sort of sort of jiggery pokery still existed. You know, the, the, I'm just not sure that I personally can continue to bang my head against a brick wall like that. You know, it it just yeah, sure the brick wall's going to fall down at some point, but you know, I'll also end up concussed. I don't know if my Maybe energy that's what it takes. No, but Maybe that's, that's the thing is I don't know if my energy would be best manifested through that method. You know, we're seeing right now in in this crisis, we're seeing huge community support and mutual aid networks developing. We're seeing people sort of helping and supporting one another. And, and again, you know, we're, we're living in, in the midst of this crisis. So, you know, I don't know, again, our, our dear listeners might be um, sort of watching back or listening back on this, you know, wondering how, how things developed. But, you know, um, th- that, that to me seems already as if it's, 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 it's a more uh, effective manifestation of, of, of socialist ideals. I, I think that that's, you know that fundamentally energies can be concentrated outside of the Labour Party in order to try and achieve a, uh, a a better society. Fundamentally, I would like to use both. I will say that I I would love to be able to stay within this party. I I think that so far, and I've been around with regards to politics, right? I've got a, I've got a big political body count, <laughs> but my uh, fundamental belief is that if the party cannot uh, demonstrate, even after this particular um, 
bombshell that it's willing to reform, then it's not deserving of power in the slightest. I'll come back to Bradley in a moment. I just thought it's interesting that you mention um, sort of alternative means of organising, Seth, and I'm sure Bradley will want to talk on that as well, since it's literally his uh, his speciality. Um, But you've almost touched on the permanent anxiety of the Labour Party in a way. Um, It is, and I'm writing an article on this at the moment, um, it is very much in existence because of first past the post, right? Because in this country, you need, at election, its primary purpose is to win elections. And in order to win elections in the UK, you just have to have the most votes. You don't have to have a majority. So what that necessitates is everyone who's on the left sort of cramming themselves in together into one unit, which is um, the Labour Party. So in electoral politics, you're very limited in terms of your actual options because, as we've all studied, and we've all studied politics quite extensively, um, if you go and form a party which you think is more in line with your own personal values, you're risking splitting the vote and handing things over to the Conservative. That's the central anxiety um, for Labour Party members. And that's the, um, that's the thing that people have to make up for uh, within their own minds. Um, a counter to that is if you look at the way politics is done in Europe, um, where you have proportional representation in the voting, usually um, you have a many different parties on the ballot paper that then form coalitions after the fact, um, or they have loose electoral alliances beforehand, um, which is possibly a more healthy way of, of doing politics. But that can't exist in this country, um, and so you have to make a calculation as an activist whether you want to be more uh, pure in your view or join the party that's actually going to win elections and try and influence it in that respect. And just before I go over to Bradley, um, I've been a member of the Labour Party since 2010. And I remember a lot of left-wing people saying, well, what's the point in joining the party? What's the point in putting the effort in? Um, And the counter to that from members was, well, come and join and change it to what you want it to be, which in the days of Ed Miliband probably seemed ludicrous. And then all of a sudden, in September 2015, we elected Jeremy Corbyn as leader of the Labour Party, the most left-wing leader since George Lansbury. And that wasn't done just with all of those affiliates joining from the trade union movement and paying £3. He would not have been able to win without long-standing members like myself and others. So it's worth bearing in mind, you can change the Labour Party from within. Um, Bradley? Yeah, I just wanted to, to pick up on the point about um, sort of organising outside the party. Um, of, course, of course, we should be organising um, outside the party, particularly at the moment with Mutual South Help Group, all that sort of stuff. Absolutely throw energy into that. I'm not going to tell anyone not to do those things because they're really important. Um, but you can do both. And I think we need to do both. That, you know, Mutual Help, help Group, um, even even things like trade unionism on their own, they're not going to solve the root issues that, that are going on in society. You only really do that through one or two ways, uh, you know, a, a whole a wholesale revolution um, or steady gain of power through parliamentary politics. 
Um, now, you know, if someone wants to talk about as initiating a revolution, then I'm, I'm interested in, a, a, you know, I'll give that some time. But until a, a coherent plan for that comes along, we we need to win power through Parliament. Um, that's how we begin to address root issues in this country. And for me, the most viable mechanism to do that is the Labour Party. So whatever the problems are internally within the party, um, to me, that's where the fight for socialism is. It's in the Labour Party and, and we have to engage with that. Whether whether sometimes that makes us uncomfortable or not, um, actually, it's more important than our own feelings of personal moral purity or whatever that might be. Sometimes we have to take a longer view um, and we have to and I, and I also don't think we're complicit by staying in the party with these things if we're organizing within the party to challenge them and change things so they don't happen again I don't accept that that makes us in some way in any way tainted by what's happening in the party not if we're actively organizing against it right so I uh, I'd quite like to respond to uh, both points really that, that, that were raised um, firstly I want to talk about this idea that you can change it within and that uh, Jeremy Corbyn was elected um, frankly, we saw the fat lot of good that that did. Uh, organised opposition oh, within the actual party clearly hasn't um, manifested. Uh, which, which, look, fundamentally, like I say, I would like to be able to do both. I would like to be able to stay in this party. That's why, as far as I'm concerned, the ball is now in Sir Keir Starmer's park. You know, this is his first real test as Labour leader, is how is he going to deal with this? Is he going to continue to enable this to go on? Or is he not going to continue to enable this to go on? Uh, that, that's, that's the thing, is, is, I, is I can't c- come to the conclusion of whether or not I'm going to leave without that fundamental last part of the equation. You know, we, we, we're, we're still within the calculation. We haven't got the results yet. Um, I think that's where your problem is, though, Seth. It, it, the question shouldn't be, what is Starmer going to do about this? The question should be, what are you going to do about it? What are we going to do about it? Look, um, and and with regards to... I think it's with, a question... Oh, no, I, I disagree. Hang on. Let, let Seth finish. Yeah, um, with regards to sort of uh, being complicit um, in it or not, um, I, I still sort of maintain the position of um, if you find yourself looking around you and all you have surrounding you are people who enable... Um, you know, anti-Semitic abuse, people who um, enable sexist abuse. What's the difference between that and yourself enabling that kind of abuse? Um, so, you know, I, 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 I don't know. I, I, I do take a, a far more sort of sceptical uh, view on the, uh, on, on, on the extent at which um, that, that change can be achieved. And, and I, and I, I think I, I, I will sort of fundamentally resist um any uh, any sort of attempts to kind of to to lump this responsibility upon individual members? I, I I don't I don't believe that that's the case. I think that this is clearly a misgiving within the administration, within the leadership. This isn't a misgiving within the membership, you know. And the membership should not feel as if they they need to, um, you know, uh, have some kind of 
um, tribal loyalty towards the party. But what all, all I will say at the end of this is, is I don't think either of us are going to budge. So um, I don't know. I just I, I we, we've got we've got a couple of other things that we wanted to talk about today. Really, um, I just wanted mm. to you know <laughs> lightly nudge that actually I I, I I'm noticing we're. We've been going on about this for about half an hour on the same topic. I, I, I just, you know, I, I don't see either of us making any concessions anytime soon. We did, um, we did sort of segue a little bit into uh, Bradley talking about um, staying in the party, which was the second, which was actually a third item we wanted to talk about. Um, but uh, I mentioned pluralism earlier mm, in the mm. uh, earlier in the discussion. Um, yeah, and I know that uh, one of the things that you've written about recently, Seth, was how um, how we've just been talking about how um, there are factions within the Labour Party. Um, it is a broad church, um, but you've written actually about how something that I don't really know because I, uh, much about because I was raised not as an atheist as such, but I was raised without religion Mm. um, which is the case for a lot of people but not necessarily uh, for everyone and i know especially a lot of political activists in the labor party there i've met a lot of catholics i've met a lot of methodists in in particular um you've written an article about how religion and politics the things you shouldn't talk about in polite conversation but what we think Hmm. we should um uh, do you want to sort of summarise that? What, what are your yeah. current thoughts? So, really, fundamentally, it was spurred on by um, my sort of participation in some kind of quasi seder meal um, yeah, on uh, the, the the first night of Passover um, with one of my uh, Jewish housemates. Um, and fundamentally, the, what I try and pick up on in the uh, article is that I believe that there's actually quite a problem within sort of the left as a whole. And I know that we're all Labour members. I'm not talking specifically about Labour, but I'm talking about the left as a whole. Um, there, there is a problem with uh, sort of... Uh, they, they almost have, they, We seem to have a problem with religious people. Um, you know, uh, and, 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 I, and I try to sort of try and figure out where that problem lies you know why why is it that that we sort of very often treat um uh religious people with a certain sort of deal of 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 uh, of cynicism and and uh, and uh, aggression in, in certainly in 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 some circles um but fundamentally my my article was wasn't sort of focusing on the causes but rather on on the on the solutions on on the fact that actually we need to as a movement embrace pluralism religious pluralism and embrace the fact that we have such a wide cultural and religious diversity in this country we need to embrace that more wholeheartedly more full-throatedly because fundamentally it's a good thing in of itself i mean it it also talks about um a little bit of electoral strategy so um you know fundamentally as a party we we need to be sort of willing to accept and celebrate um other religions um other cultures a, a religious and cultural diversity in of itself because um you know that 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 is historically as well um the 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 zone in which um groups such as the Labour Party and, and other left-wing sort of uh, uh, um, left-wing sort of movements have managed to 
achieve progress is through that pluralism, is through building that wide coalition of people. Um, uh, and, and yeah, so my, my, my article is really about that, is about why it is that I think uh, the left wing has a problem with religion and pluralism um, and why it is that I think that we need to be dealing with that in a sort of holistic and wholesome way. We need to be uh, extending out our arms to our um, uh, comrades of faith. We need to be um, saying that actually, yeah, you know, if they want to celebrate their their, their culture, if they want to celebrate their religion, we're not just going to tolerate it. We're going to embrace it. We're going to accommodate it. You know, I, I remember having a conversation a while ago with a, with a comrade about, with a, with a Jewish comrade about um, secularism in this country. Um, and the fact that it really fundamentally doesn't exist. You know, we, we, we like to tell ourselves we're a secular country, but still all our holidays, our bank, we're, we're recording on a bank holiday right now that also happens to be the, uh, falling on sort of the, uh, the Christian celebration of Easter. You know, we, we've, we've got our, um, uh, we've got so many of our sort of bank holidays. We've got so many of our traditions and customs that are intertwined with uh, the Christian faith. I'm, I'm not saying, as many people on the left would say, that we need to, you know, expunge all of sort of Christianity from society in that case. Instead, I'm saying that we should actually embrace and accommodate more cultures and more religions. Why shouldn't we have uh, a Passover bank holiday? You know, why shouldn't we have uh, um, uh, an, an Eid uh, bank holiday? You know, it's, I think it's, it's a bit like with the uh, when we had the proposal to have uh, bank holidays for the patron saints of each nation. Um I really can't see people objecting to an extra bank holiday, even if they are, even if it's not necessarily directly relevant to well, them. No. After all, plenty of people go out on St Patrick's Day, and they're definitely not Irish, but they're definitely wearing green. Yeah, um, no, I, I, I understand everyone. that. I think I think that some people do uh, do take issue with with the idea of of too many bank holidays because a lot of people, especially self employed people, um, you know, if they don't work, they don't put food on the table. Um, so you know, I, I think I think I think a lot of people. I think more people than than you'd perhaps think would have an issue with having more bank holidays. Um, but I still think it's important nonetheless that, that we do so in order to sort of... And, and it, it's more than just talking about bank holidays. It's talking about embracing cultural practices. It's about sort of uh, sitting down and talking with people, dialogue, uh, interfaith dialogue. It's such a an ignored part of community, but it's such an important part of community. Mm. I mean, I, I remember that um, I can see Cam's got his hand up. I'll come back to you in a moment. Um, just on that particular <laughs> yeah, if, point I'm not, about... if I'm not mistaken, I think he's had it up for a while. <laughs> oh, sorry, I do apologise. Um, I was just oh, all I was going to say is that you know I I I recall just maybe get um, get your experiences on this. I recall that in primary school, in particular, we did a lot of stuff about learning. You know about different religions and and uh, and that sort of thing, um, but I've learned since I've been an adult, went to university, and, and met other people who from different parts of the country, and um, that wasn't the case for everyone. A lot of them just had um, Christianity. I'm not saying that learning about Christianity is in its is a bad thing at all. I'm just saying that was often the only thing they were ever taught about religion. So there's a high level of ignorance because it's not been taught in schools, even in the relatively liberal New Labour era. Um, but sorry, Callum, I do apologise. I didn't see your hand. 
No, um, I, I just wanted to talk about my experiences. So I've had sort of a similar experience to you, Callum, in that I was I, I grew up in South London, so very culturally diverse area, all sorts of backgrounds, loads of different languages spoken, loads of faiths. And it's a real um, where the world comes together is, is really there. And, and, and we were taught about all these things. But the minute you leave that bubble, that, that really is lacking sometimes. And, and there is a... a you know, people don't choose to be ignorant on matters, but they just don't have that education and they're not aware of different cultures and religions and exactly what that entails. Um, but as as a as a, a, a Christian on the left, it's for me. It's I sometimes I've I've been sort of uh, certainly historically been ashamed of my faith on the left because there, I know in Seth's article you spoke about it quite a lot. Um, in that you know having a religion is is by some factions on the left is frowned upon, but actually I think that actually has a huge mm. input to my my political beliefs and it and it strongly impacts my my uh, outlook on the world. No, ab- yeah, absolutely, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. I, I I was just going to say, I mean, the the, the Labour Party in particular um, should really play up its connections to religious. Uh, diversity and tolerance, because obviously there's the there's the famous phrase. And we've got two two kind of stages in Labour Party history. Uh, in the early days, you could say that the Labour Party was founded more by Methodism than by, by Marx. And if you look at the um, you know the trade union movements, you know whenever you see trade union members refer to each other as brother or sister, for example that comes out directly out of the Methodist movement because that was the way of sort of organising away from the established church in a more sort of uh, equitable manner. I'm not an expert on on that area of religion, but as I understand it, there was that that train. So rather than uh, members sitting down reading the Communist Manifesto, they were actually sitting down in church and talking to one another and organising in that way. Um, But then at the other end of the scale, 100 years later, you've got Tony Blair um, saying when he was asked about religion, oh, oh, we don't do God. Um, We don't, you know, and and then later on, once he had finished being prime minister, curiously, he then sort of came out in in air quotes uh, as a Catholic. Um, And I've just always found it interesting that he clearly didn't feel comfortable saying that that was his faith while he was prime minister because even even now i would say well it wouldn't really matter in fact when you know we had we had our first jewish prime minister in desraeli in the victorian era you know that didn't really matter um i remember ed Miliband's they um and actually just to, re- to sort of reference back to the anti-semitism thing in a way I didn't realise until quite late on in his leadership that he was actually Jewish. I didn't know um, until I think he got married and it was mentioned. And then all of a sudden, that whole story about him, you know, eating bacon. Do you remember that? They splashed that all across the front pages and so on. And you suddenly think, what a gross display Mm. of anti-Semitism from our mainstream media. All of a sudden, when it's put into that context, how disgusting is that? 
Um, and I just remembered that, so I thought I'd, I'd mention it, but Seth's got his hand up. So. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and and I'd, I'd like to also sort of mention that as soon as um, Ed Miliband uh, was appointed to the shadow cabinet, you saw sort of all of the media outlets that um, that, that, that rightfully pointed out, you know, uh, problems with anti-Semitism, suddenly displaying themselves, anti-Semitism, especially their uh, cartoonists, who I think uh, are, are paid way too much to, to, to do way too little. Um, but my, my, own, my own issues with, uh, with journalism aside, um, I think that um, fundamentally, uh, yeah, it, it comes back down to, I, 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 like I know what you're, what you're saying, Callum, that, um, uh, you know, a lot of the time, people on the left can see religion a lot of the time as some kind of backward looking, um, uh, you know, regressive uh, orthodoxy. And I mentioned it in my, in my article as well, that fundamentally we, we mustn't be afraid to call out such sort of regressive reactionarism. Um, so, so for instance, um, when, uh, when we saw, um, the, uh, the the families in Birmingham coming together to uh, to try and protest the teaching of um, of uh, or, or just the general awareness for their children of um, gay relationships. You know, we, we we should be opposing that. We should be saying that actually, no, that that's a a reality of 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 sort of 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 life of of um, not only modern Britain but of Britain as a whole. Um, and yeah, we, we, we should, we should resist such, um, reactionary, um, regression. But the, the problem is, is without exploring and embracing other faiths, without embracing other cultures, we only do so from a position of ignorance where it seems as if we're just sort of pointing finger. We're uh, it, it, like, um, I hate to bring up the, uh, the, the GLU report again, but, uh, one of the things I have seen leaked from it is, um, that uh, we we certainly, as a party, have harboured a lot of Islamophobia as well, um, and and again, a lot of it comes down to this belief that you know Muslims just want us all to live in some sort of theocratically fascist state, which absolutely isn't the case. I think anyone who 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 sort of who holds that opinion should go and bloody well talk to a Muslim, and they'll see that 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 it's not the case. Um, but yeah, no, it, it, that that's really you know where I wanted to get with that with that article is is that we need to sort of as a movement embrace other cultures so that we can come to a more holistic understanding not only of the other cultures and other faiths but also of our own culture and of our own faith and and it, it, I, I'd argue as well I don't do so in the article but I'd argue as well that actually in fact we uh, sort of put ourselves in a better position to call out such. Um, regressive orthodoxies by doing so um, because we can uh, put forward ourselves as actually having um, a uh, an understanding as entry level as it, it may be in, in some circumstances, we have an understanding of that culture. Bradley. Uh, I, I'm interested, Seth, what you mean by embracing. Um, so so I, I'm, I'm all in favour of, of allowing, obviously, freedom of it. Of religious expression and, and freedom mm. of speech, obviously, you know, I'm, yeah, I'm not a Nazi. Um, but in terms of in terms of embracing other religions, I'm, I'm interested what you think that looks like practically for for a political yeah. party. Yeah, yeah. So what, what what I think that that looks like is I think that that uh, looks like having um sort of uh, interfaith um 
forums. I, I think that that's sort of having, uh, uh, I, especially sort of in a governmental way, that's, that's, that certainly should be um, about uh, having sort of institutionalized representation of, of faiths in, in say the house of Lords where, where we currently have um, uh, uh, a selection of bishops and, and the archbishops uh, sitting. We, we should, we should have institutionalized um, more faith leaders in the actual um, uh, government itself, informing its decisions, informing it of uh, how sort of different communities um, understand um, and approach um, sort of public life. Um, it, it, it means uh, sort of talking to people of those faiths in sort of political context. I, I know, you know, we, we always have that that issue of of that it it's often seen as the two things that that should not ever mix religion and politics. But I'm afraid in this country, you know, as it, it goes as far back as as you can uh, as you can see, really. Uh, religion and politics they're, they're so intertwined you know i mean i i'm a i'm quite a sort of tudor history buff <laughs> i can i can tell you that this is nothing new this idea that uh, religion and politics are intertwined by the way you want to come back yeah i think i think this is where i'm slightly more skeptical and um, i mean so i my, my background is that I, I was quite a strong christian for a number of years um you know i i i, I was really into it you know um and I, I went on a bit of a journey when I got to university and I, I would see myself as an agnostic now and, and, a, and a humanist. And I've been involved in humanist circles a little bit um, since, since leaving Christianity. And I think the, the thing is, is it, a, lot, a lot of people that are quite, you know, sort of humanist activists, they, they, they obviously have the individual issues of religion in, in terms of um, certain denominations, teachings about homosexuality, um, you know, c- certain um, interpretations of the Quran. You know, so th- there's there is the specific stuff that's been mentioned, and that Seth rightly said we should challenge. But I think for not all, but for a good chunk of people that are secularists or humanists, that there, there is a deeper problem with religion as well that isn't specific to certain interpretations of certain texts. You know, the idea that salvation doesn't come through ourselves or our own work, um, but but through you know God, through through something that's otherworldly. I think actually for me that's a deeply problematic position to hold as a socialist, um, and you know I'm not I'm not suggesting that we we don't allow people to hold those views in the party. I think you know there, there are Christian groups on the left that organise within parties, and that's their right to do so, um, as as other religious groups do as well. Um, but but for my apprehension about religion being involved in politics in in an overt way, you know, we're talking about extra bank holidays or representation within in governance structures and all that sort of stuff. My hesitancy is that I think there are cutting in and out a little bit. Yeah, I'm struggling to hear you as well, actually. Sorry, my my point is is that I think there are fundamental issues with the idea of religious faith as a, as a whole, which makes me very apprehensive about involving them in a, in a systematic way in, in governance or politics. Okay. Um, so just, my... Can I can I just can I just mention something very quickly before I go to you, Seth? You mentioned um, having faith leaders involved in government. Um, how do you see that uh, sitting with uh, the separation of church and state, which is obviously very important. I mean, I, w- I would say it's very important to have um, religious advisors from all faiths informing government policy, but to what extent should they have a formal role in the state? For example, we still have 20-odd bishops in the House of Lords. Um, it's probably unfair 
that there is such a heavy influ- um that there's such a heavy influence of one just one branch of one religion in yeah. the house floor. You could probably agree on that. But what's at to that extent should there be a formal involvement in religious leaders? Uh, yeah, so I, 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 I'll, I'll sort of I'll answer those those sort of concerns uh, in turn, really. Um, with regards to the, uh, the 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 you know perfectly valid concern over um, uh, having sort of both basically you the, the issues with religion as a whole i would say that that fundamentally misses why m- most people are religious most people aren't religious because of some kind of theology most people are religious because it's the community that they that they're in it's 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 sort of it the it, their families are of that those religions going back you know generations they 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 uh, it, it they're the people who they like to be around. I, I, I mention it again in my uh, watchmaker in, in my article. But you know, I've had more vigorous theological discussion in beer gardens than I have in in church. You know, it's 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 not theology. I think that people sort of commit themselves to religion for it's it's that sense of community. It's it's that sense of sort of helping one another. It's it's the sense of having sort of someone there to to assist you. It's it's it's. Well, I'm not saying that that some don't see it as as, as some kind of uh, fundamental level of salvation, and 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 yes, in, indeed, to a lot of religious people, that is very important. Um, I would say that's fundamentally not the most important thing. I think most people would um, uh, sort of realize that their community, their, their, um, uh, the, the sort of the people around them that make up the religion, is more important than the kind of jurisprudence of that religion itself. Um, now, it, it, with regards to uh, the extent of which that kind of um, uh, religious faith leaders should inform uh, the sort of government practice, uh, I would say that secularism doesn't exist in this country anyway. It, 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 like I say, I think that with the state that we have and with the culture that we have, church and state are so intertwined anyway, just you know, regardless of, of you know, uh, whether or not we think it should be, it, it, it fundamentally is. We've got a long, long history of statecraft being sort of uh, intertwined with religion um, as it is. Um, you know, uh, I, was, I was trying to touch on upon, upon it um, earlier, but like, you know, down, down to our bank holidays, uh, they, they, they coincide with religious holidays, you know, uh, We've we we have not got an effective separation of church and state in this country as it stands, and so I would say the better solution would be to try and make sure that, um, or rather, to embrace that uh, understanding of sort of uh, informed um, morality. Really, um, it, it, it's 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 about representation. It's about democracy. It's about rep- representing as many people as we can within one government. You know, if, if you've got a government that's completely and totally composed of, um, uh, of um, people who, uh, who, who are sort of Christian or, 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 or who are not Christian, then you're sort of necessarily excluding a, a large chunk of the population from uh, representation. Um, I th- I th- I th- and I think that matters. I think that really does matter. Um, I, th- I think okay. it's important um, to, to have that. Yeah, a question. A question to ruminate on both of you, since you 
uh, both debating it. Bradley's got his hand up as well. Um, how can you make, how can you uh, democratically represent faith in a, a liberal democracy? Um, and I'll let Bradley come back uh, first on his earlier point, but think about that as well. Sorry, I, I had my hand up by accident, um, but I will answer the question. Um, I, 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 oh, okay, sorry. Um, uh, beyond allowing sort of, you know, the, the basic right to free association, so, you know, if, if, if as, as happens... Bradley, I'm struggling. Your connection hear you. is shocking, I have to say. Some, <laughs> something's going on there. <laughs> I'll, I'll bow out. start again. Seth can answer. I'll bow out. I'll edit this bit out. Right, no worries. Anyway, uh, yeah, so um, with regards to how how do you uh, try and democratically uh, represent religion within government, um, I would say that fundamentally it's it's down to um, information and dialogue. It's it's down to trying to hear um, input from as wide a variety of sources as possible um, and from as representative a variety of sources as possible. Um, that 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 would be my sort of my response to it. I'm I'm I, unfortunately I'm not some I I I'm you know as much as uh, uh, you know perhaps at some point in my life that might be nice. I'm, I I don't I don't think tank and try and f- figure out. I don't have a a, pol- a a policy paper ready to present. In other words, but um, I I certainly think that that, that it can be done, um, and I think dialogue is the route to do it. Okay. So those are questions to ruminate on. Um, obviously, earlier we talked about, uh, much like with your membership of the Labour Party, I think it's a very personal thing that you have to uh, make your own mind up about. Um, just on our last bit of news, um, it's a little bit out of date, but uh, last week, um, Bernie Sanders in the United States, one of the most famous Jewish politicians in the world, probably the most famous Jewish politician in the world. Mm, uh, sure sadly, that, but... um, well, apart from do, do go on, do go on, do go on. He is uh, he has uh, stepped out of the um, U.S. presidential race, which means that the uh, candidate will almost certainly be uh, Joe Biden. Uh, for the Democrats, will be taking on uh, Donald Trump. Uh, what's our reaction to that? What does that mean for uh, the left, not just in the US, but uh, here as well? Callum, do you have any thoughts? Um, well, you know, it, it goes back to that old description of the US party system. You have a choice between one right-wing party and another. It's it's exactly, you know, playing into that um, rhetoric again, Um Biden himself, I don't think he'll beat Trump. I don't think he's got the substance or the policies. Um, and, he, and he hasn't got that momentum that, that Sanders seems to have had around him in terms of grassroots organisation. And, and I fear we, we may be seeing another Trump term, obviously depending on coronavirus, what happens over there because their response has been horrific. But either way, I, neither of the neither of the candidates in terms of Trump or Biden are really likable. Their policies, you know, there's nothing really there that appeals to me. And if I was in that situation, I'd probably vote for a third party or something, or just spoil my ballot. If I'm honest with you, so they're sort of in the same position that uh, we are almost. Uh, in the United States in that, yes, you can vote for a third party, but ultimately all you're going to be doing is splitting the vote. Um, 
one of the reasons why um, Democrats get a lot of support from the left is because they're not the Republicans um, and they're the, sa- the safer choice. And, it, and I'm reminded of the French presidential election from a couple of years ago when people felt um, disheartened uh, because the only uh, alternative to um, uh, Le Pen the far-right candidate in that election, um, was uh, Emmanuel Macron, uh, who is an avowed uh, neoliberal, uh, would be a conservative in this country. Um, and the Anis Varoufakis uh, went on record to say, vote when you're faced up against the fascist, vote for the neoliberal with the same enthusiasm and energy with which you will oppose him the day after he is elected, um, which I think might be maybe maybe may the correct approach, uh, Seth. Yeah, if I may say something controversial, I think that Bernie Sanders uh, handed Donald Trump the presidency. Um, it's certainly in in this particular cycle. Why? Well, because I don't think that he was aggressive enough. I think that fundamentally the failure of his campaign comes down to him. I think that he had so many open goals. He had so many opportunities to go over, uh, sorry, to, to, to go after um, uh, the weak candidate that is, I, I'm not even going to con- consider sort of a Biden presidency because, uh, you know, I, I, I doubt he even knows he's running for it. Um, you know, he, he fundamentally um, gifted Trump the presidency through his own inaction, through his own refusal to um, uh be aggressive, aggressive enough to win this nomination, the Democratic Party nomination. Remember, even more so in the United States than in the United Kingdom, uh, the left is up against not only sort of um, the other party, but also their own party and also the media establishment. And frankly, he just didn't have the guts to to do it. He he was sort of almost too 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 nice a bloke in in a way. He was too warm and cuddly with everyone you know um i i i i do find myself particularly frustrated by sanders because you know after all of the 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 effort and time that the grassroots has put into him um he's now just going to funnel that money straight back into the establishment and tell you to vote for the establishment um i i i'm i i'm very frustrated with with that particular um process I, I i think you know i'm glad that i that i'm 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 not in the united states because i i would be you know <laughs> i would be uh even more pessimistic than i am now um about uk politics really but uh, but yeah so um fundamentally i think that uh it's it's no surprise that sanders has dropped out he didn't have the uh, the the guts to 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 clinch the nomination he didn't have fundamentally what it takes um, and, uh, you know, Biden's going to lose because Biden will lose. Biden's a loser. That's, that's his, his MO is losing. Um, the only reason that, that he's currently in the position that he's in now is because, you know, uh, Barack Obama was worried that he was too black to get the, um, to get, uh, the American people on side. And so because of that, he needed some sort of, uh, white crusty legislature uh, as his vice president to try and, um, to soften the blow for, to, to the hardcore racists. Um, was Joe Biden. Yeah, and that was Joe Biden. It, it just so happened that, that he was the most sort of harmless and least likely to 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 try and interfere with his um, already ridiculous agenda, you know. And, 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 that, and that, that's the thing is that, um, uh, that there are so many people in the United States who are going to be sort of pushing this vote blue no matter who 
um, uh, mentality when fundamentally, you know, and, and, and they'll do things like they'll cite the, 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 the kids in cages on the border. Well, I mean, you know, Obama did that too, you know, the, the person who, whose administration uh, Joe was second dog to did that as well, you know? Um, I, I, I just, uh, I just, I, 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 plus, of course, I've, I've also got controversial uh, opinions, uh, especially on the left, on firearms. Um, so I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't vote for for, for Biden um, if you paid me. Do you think uh, I can see Callum? You got your hand up, but um, just quickly, um, do you think it's cleansing almost for the left, both in the UK and the US? Um, Bernie Sanders has run for president twice and he's failed, but a, a little bit like Jeremy Corbyn, they've sort of they sort of emerged almost spontaneously. Um, Bernie Sanders was never expected to be a major candidate, at least in his first run. Uh, Jeremy Corbyn famously won the lead, Labour leadership almost by accident. Um, so the left wasn't really prepared for either of them to become the standard bearers. Do you think now that, however, that they have advanced the cause in they've moved the Overton window of mainstream politics somewhat to the left, the possibilities to the left, and especially in the context of climate change as well being so important and the need for radical socialist policy to deal with that, um, do we feel like this is now an opportunity both in the UK and the US to start thinking about who else can take it forward um, in the long run? At the moment, we've got Keir Starmer leading the Labour Party, but he won't be around forever. We need to think about how um, the left is going to organise here. And also, you know, when exactly is it going to be the case that Ocasio-Cortez in the United States gets her chance to run for uh, being president? Uh, Callum Roper. First um I, I would say, I was going to say something along that line, really, is that I, I sort of agree with Jeff's, um, uh, his assessment of the Sanders campaign this time round, in that he, he wasn't too much on the attack. He was very much sure in his support, but not looking for that extra support that would have got him over the line. But what I, I would say is that he did, he had started to set the tone on the left and build hopefully momentum that a younger candidate with a bit more uh, enthusiasm, a bit more of, a, of an attacking mentality, uh, will we'll actually, we'll actually take, take hold of that and move forward. Someone like a, uh, a Casio-Cortez, you know, maybe in the future, she's certainly one to be watched. Um, so I would say that partly Sanders ran a bad campaign, but also he ran a good campaign in that, that some of the policies he was talking about, the issues he was talking about, is stuff that, you know, the, the, the Bidens of this world never would consider, the Trumps of this world don't care about. So that, that's the issue we've got to look at, is it isn't just about what he did, but it's about what he's got rolling. What momentum has he put in place going forward? Okay, um, I'll go to Seth and then I think we'll get some concluding remarks because we've now been talking for an hour and 10 minutes, believe it or not. Um, yeah. But yeah, yeah, Seth, go, go for it. No problem. Uh, I, think, I think it is really fundamentally important for the left to sort of be promoting uh, the youth. I think that it's important for the youth to sort of promote themselves. Uh, I think that uh, when we get um, sort of snarky comments on, on Facebook posts, we need to do things like consider boycotting um, their, their re-election campaigns and so on and so forth. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, and, and I'm not referring to anyone or any, you know, 
particular party in particular, of course. Um, but anyway, uh, I uh, I also have my doubts about AOC. Um, I know that clearly um, Ocasio-Cortez is quite um, popular in this particular uh, group, but I, I think that um, her reluctance to uh, to defend Dilhan Omar um, uh, when, when things were kicking off about um, her comments, when uh, I, I think that um, her closeness to people like Pelosi, I think, um, should be a concern. Um, I don't know if, if, um, if AOC has, um, has the X factor, so to speak. Um, but, uh, and, and, and I, and I prefer Helena Ma, um, but, um, I'm not, I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> I, I wish I had a crystal ball basically, <laughs> you know, I, I imagine I'd, I'd probably also be, you know, somewhat more 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 wealthy from political betting if i if i um, if i had a crystal ball but um but no i'm i'm i i uh i i can't i can't see who who is to take over i think it is important um for sort of us to be um self-promoting as the young left but um i don't i don't quite know um where it will lead hmm. okay bradley your concluding thoughts yeah i i am I don't, I don't really have any. Sorry. <laughs> I've said everything I need to say. All right, then, Callum. Uh, yeah, I mean, sort of Seth's last point there, you know, the, the the young people on the left, we are the next generation. We should be promoting ourselves. Things like this, things like the blog, hopefully are a good way of starting that. Um, but I think, you know, there is a lot of potential. It's just harnessing that potential and making sure that we aren't stopped by the right. So you know that's that's my closing thoughts on the matter. If if I if I may say, I've got a quick a quick quote just to just to sort of to to kind of sum things up really, um, it. and it is from the uh, the wise philosopher and poet uh, David Bowie. Um, uh, <laughs> These children that you spit on as they try to change their world are immune to your consultations. They're quite aware of what they're going through. Fantastic. Uh, so thank you for that, very much for that, uh, Seth Goddard. Thank you very much, Callum Roper and Bradley Alsop. Uh, I think we will be back next week if we can. Um, I've spoken to uh, Karen Lee potentially about uh, coming on to talk about her our former MP and uh, who has returned to nursing. So if we can get on her, her on at some point, I think that'll be an interesting discussion to have. But until next time, goodbye from us. Stay safe. We'll see you next time. The truth will make us free. The truth will make